0: Hi, I'm Avery Young, and this is the Norris Jung Podcast. From the subway train to the soccer field, everywhere I go, people have a story to tell me about their experience feeding and caring for their new baby. And so I decided it was time to amplify those voices so we can all know what's real and what's possible and make those who are beginning their parenting journey feel a little less alone. So today I'm going to be talking with Avery as she shares her struggles and journey navigating being a parent of two and with a newly mobile baby. Hi, Avery. Welcome to the Nourish Jung Podcast. Hi, Avery. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here. Why don't you... start by just telling everybody a little bit about yourself and your, your babies.
1: Yeah. So, um, you and I first met when I was nursing my first child Lassiter and, uh, she was born not long before the pandemic and she's now four. And then my second child Lowry is now eight months. And, uh, i I've gone through a lot of transitions during that time. And I left a job after Lasseter was born and have been self-employed and a freelancer since then. And then I decided to start grad school, uh, like right before Lowry was born. So, um, I just kind of like, after both children were born, just decided to kind of like, uh, yeah, just like mess up my life completely, um, (laughs) in the best way. (laughs) Um, but yeah. I I love that you're a
0: grad student because I think being a grad student as a parent brings a whole level of challenges mm-hmm. to the mix. Mm-hmm.
1: How's that experience been like for you? Um, so it's been mostly great, also a little bit hard. I mean, so I am, am I'm in school for creative writing. So I'm getting my master's of fine arts in creative writing, which is something that I've like always wanted to do, but kind of put off, kept putting off and um, this, I don't know why, but I just decided to do it at like the least convenient time of life possible. (laughs) But it just felt like my writing was in a place where it felt like the right time to do it. And I really wanted to do it. And I probably this sort of like stubborn aspect of me was annoyed by the fact that like structurally it's not built for Parents at all. And so I was yeah. like, well, I'm gonna do this anyway. And like, you're just gonna have to work around me. And like thankfully, I found a program that was really supportive. Um and I mean, I am the only I was definitely the only pregnant lady uh when I started. <laughs> but there are some other parents in my program as well. And yeah, I just decided that this was a degree, this wasn't gonna be a degree that was gonna like earn me any money. This, I was doing this for me and for my writing. And so I was going to do it the way that I wanted to do it and get out of it what I wanted to get out of it. And um, I was going to do it when I wanted to do it. So I was kind of like, screw you guys. I'm going to do this now. Yeah. So has, how were you pumping Did, have
0: you been feeding breastfeeding the whole time? How's that working?
1: So it's the way that it works is it's like a mostly remote program. So I'm only in person for like 10 days out of each semester we have it's called a low residency program and these are called residency periods where i go up to maine and i'm like i have like 10 days of like intensive programming and um so i have on the residencies the last one i just brought my family with me and um like pumped in some of the sessions and then like went back to the hotel room and nursed for other feedings. Um, but yeah, we were exclusively breastfeeding at that time. So it was like kind of intent. It, I definitely felt like a little bit of a diva. Cause I like brought my posse with me to my residency. Like my husband was there, my four-year-old, my baby, and then my sister-in-law came to help out. Um, And so <laughs> it was a little bit odd. Like everybody knew us. Everybody like recognized my family around the hotel And, um, it's like a little bit weird to just be like bringing them with me everywhere I want, but I just kind of like, that was what worked for me and it worked for them too. And like, I didn't want to leave them home alone for 10 days and have to just like pump around the clock and like be away from my four month old at the time. And, you know, that didn't really work for me. So, um, we just decided to do it this way and thankfully it worked out.
0: Yeah. And I love that anytime anybody does something like that, it normalizes that life can look a lot of different ways, right? And academia has such a, it it has such a a stringent like policy. It's very, very hard to be a feeding parent in any sort of academic environment because of course that institution isn't wasn't designed by women, right? It's a male-designed, male-dominated organization, and feeding babies has never been a problem that they've needed to solve. So I think anytime we can bring families into that, it really helps to normalize for other people what what's
1: possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you, and yeah, thank you for saying that. I mean, I think like it's been it's been hard in the sense that. Like, I don't like being the weird one who's doing something different. But, you know, everybody's out there being weird doing something different. Like, there's, like, trans people who have transitioned during the program. Like, everybody is, like, you know, in there just... Be- like, It's like, it's a place where it's like, we've got to just come and be ourselves. And, like, this is who we are as writers. And, like, we have to embrace and celebrate that about one another. And, you yeah, know, this is just my thing. So... I
0: mean, I feel like a creative writing program sort of would attract (laughs) a variety of non-traditional folk to that program just based (laughs) on the curriculum.
1: (laughs) Yes, that's very true. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, just I think that's so true of any situation is, you know, in wherever you can just to kind of, you know, I don't like to give prescriptive advice, but it's like I'm a person of like relative privilege. And so I feel like I can kind of do these things without too much fallout. And it's like, I try to just show up and like be the person that I am. And it's like, yeah, I'm pumping. Like I was on a work call the other day and it was with a new agency client. I work in like advertising and branding. And um, I was pumping, there were like five people on the call and the creative director was like, what's that weird noise? And I was just (laughs) like, Oh, that's me. I'm pumping breast milk. Sorry. I'll go on mute. (laughs) And it was just like, (laughs) Somebody, I told another mom about that and she was like, she was like, oh my gosh. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I wasn't even embarrassed. Like, honestly, like he probably should have been embarrassed because like he was the one that embarrassed himself. Like I did not embarrass myself in that situation, you know? I like, also, can we just talk about why
0: that's even embarrassing? Because like, if that guy's sitting there drinking a glass of milk, cow milk, <laughs> like yeah. nobody's embarrassed that they're like, oh yeah sorry, I'm drinking milk over here from a cow yeah. that they pumped yeah. out of a cow. Like that's not embarrassing, right? So sorry. even the fact that like we have this knee jerk reaction that for some reason, like there is there is an embarrassing factor about using a pump when there is no embarrassing factor related to any other mammal milk. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like, this mm-hmm. also needs to be
1: normalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I'm over here making food with my body. And writing your copy at the same time. Guess I'm just a superhero. Right, right? Like
0: you should get a, like an award for that.
1: <laughs> it's like the multi-time I am
0: a multitasker. Hi, that's what we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. So you had one pandemic baby and one not pandemic baby.
1: Correct. Yes. How different were those experiences? Um, well, they were really different. For, like, reasons that... I mean, obviously, like, the pandemic is in that. But I think they're also just really different babies. And, like, I'm a different parent, too. And, like, my first child, she... I just was, like, stressed, like, the whole time she was a baby. And it was either, like, she was picking that up from me. Or maybe this is just, like, who she is. And I was picking up her energy. But, like she was just like an intense baby and like had a a lot of needs and like cried a lot. And, you know, I mean, I don't mean to make that like her whole personality. Like she's more than just that. But like this baby, and I hate to compare, but this baby is like really chill. (laughs) And so I've just, I've been a lot more relaxed. Like she's been a lot more relaxed. And I don't know. I think like when I would hear people say, oh, like the baby period, it goes by so fast. Like, enjoy it while you have it. I was always like, no, thank you. Like, I'm ready for the next stage, you know? And like, with this baby, I'm actually experiencing that. Like, oh, I'm like enjoying the baby time. And I am gonna, even though it's fun to watch her grow up, like I am gonna actually be kind of sad when this is over. It's like, everything just has a little bit less stress attached to it. I think that's, I think that, I think
0: that's really interesting. And I think it's a really good point that like some babies are really intense and really hard and it's okay if you don't enjoy them. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you're not doing it right or that you don't love them or that you aren't enough or any of those things. Intense humans start off as intense babies. And when you're a first time parent and you don't know what you're doing, you're already nervous you have a hard time co-regulating co-re- like your own nervous system. You do not have the resources to co-regulate another intense baby. And it creates this spiral where you guys both are, are just feed that anxiety feeds off each other. And it makes it so,
1: so hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that I, I mean, everybody has like hormonal changes with breastfeeding, but like for me, the hormone, whatever hormones were like associated with breastfeeding for me caused me a lot of additional stress and anxiety Mm -hmm. and so like there was something hormonal going on too that I didn't even realize until I stopped breastfeeding and was like oh I like feel normal again Mm -hmm. and I'm realizing that I didn't feel normal for a year and so I think there was like that thing that's going on when like your your brain is changing because you're caring for another human being like that was happening and then also there's sort of this hormonal layer of whatever was going on with like breastfeeding hormones where i would just be like i would get really stressed out before a feeding and then like with my letdown it was like sort of that um you know whatever that hormone that gets released that makes you feel like the love hormone for me, it was not like a, a love feeling. It was more like a release of emotions. Like I would like cry sometimes. (laughs) Like it was just very intense. And I don't know if that's like normal necessarily, (laughs) but, um, for me, like breastfeeding was kind of wrapped up in all of that too. So what you're,
0: describing is consistent with something called dysphoric milk ejection reflex. So the hormone that normally floods the body is oxytocin. And like you said, it makes us feel really good. But some people, and I'm glad you brought this up because I think it's really important. Some people don't, they feel the opposite. That release of hormones instead of making you feel good can make you feel really sad, or it can make you feel really nauseous, or it can make you feel like itchy or have other like very significant sensations that are opposite of what we're told and not only does that feel bad then we're doing it when we're feeding and then like we think it's us when it's really just our body's um inappropriate response to that reflex
1: mhm mhm yeah i i remember like googling i remember being like this is weird right and googling like you know, sad when breastfeeding or whatever it was, and seeing that and being like, I think I have that thing, whatever that is. And it's funny because it's like, never, you know, I talk to like a lot of um, birthing parents who like, ex- who experience this kind of like, you know, imbalance or whatever. And it's like, we're none of us are at the level where we get flagged for like uh, postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety. Uh, it's like we're not at the level where we're getting flagged for PPD or postpartum anxiety, but there's something going on that's not right. And there's not really a space to get that, to get like help for that or to talk about that really.
0: Yeah, I, absolutely not. I, and I think like, th- as you said, the other part of that that makes it really hard is that postpartum depression, anxiety, even if it's not clinically diagnosable, all of that is sort of a slow simmer to like a boil right and you don't if you're if you're in a slow simmer that gradually heats up your body normalizes that heat pattern and you don't ever realize that you're not okay until you're not okay there's not any stop like checks along the way for us to be able to check in to say like okay but am I really okay because I forgot what really okay felt like because this is how I feel and this is how I've been feeling for so long that we stop become we stop being able to be a reliable predictor
1: of our internal temperature Mm -hmm. yeah I think that's exactly right I mean I remember having moments of feeling and and when my when my milk started to dry up like when I sort of decreased milk production around six months with Lassiter and then like w- later on around one year I had like days of anxiety where I was like I I'm feeling really stressed out about X and then I was like I feel like I'm having an overreaction about this like it, it and I'm like am I really stressed about this or is there something else going on with my brain chemistry and I had never really had like, Anxiety, anxiety before, so I didn't know to kind of like what the flags were for that. And yeah, it wasn't until after when I was feeling normal again that I realized like how unnormal, how abnormal those feelings were. Yeah, I think that's such a common,
0: such a common story. We just it like, and there's not a good way to, we don't have a systemic way in place to screen for that. Did you have the same? Ex- emotions with feeding um
1: with Lowry or was it different the second time around they so it yes, both like um I kind of knew to be on the lookout for it with Lowry and I remember the first couple of months with her I would it was really weird it was like um when I could kind of feel, um, my, like when my breast would produce milk, I would feel sort of like a surge of anxiety or kind of like sadness, like a sort of negative feeling. And it would, it would, but it was very passing. It would last for maybe like 30 seconds or something. And then it would go away. And I would be like, where did, like, that was weird. Where did that come from? You know? And I just started to notice that it was like every three hours, sort of every like feeding cycle, like a little while before she was supposed to eat, I would sort of have this feeling. And I just, I kind of w- just knew like, oh, I'm just having like one of those like hormonal surges again or something, you know? And then as she got older, it started to kind of you know, even out a little bit and that wasn't really happening as much anymore. And now that she's eight months, like, um, I would say I still have that kind of like emotional or sort of teary reaction when I feed, like during my letdown, but it's much more like, I sort of know that it's going to happen. And so I'm just like, Oh, I'm just feeling a little bit sad right now. Or, or sometimes it's almost a a positive feeling of like catharsis or like. Mm feeling, maybe even feeling like excited about something or like nervous. You know how nervous and excited are feelings that are kind of related and like sadness can sometimes feel good. Like, you know, like yeah. it's as purely a negative feeling. It's like a little bit mixed. And, and then I... So it's been a little bit different, but still like some kind of odd um emotional stuff going on, but like definitely much more manageable that I know to look for it. And... It helps that like she's just a little. She's an, a baby that's easier to um, like pacify, and so she doesn't she doesn't cry as much, and like I'm getting sleep and stuff like that. So all of that kind of helps, you know, manage that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I was I was wondering. It sounds like you're just your nervous system's operating at a little bit of a lower mm-hmm. um, state than this time than it was that time last time, and so. Even if the emotions are the same, your ability to rebound from them and absorb those moments are is much greater than it would have been before um, if your nervous system was already taxed.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally. And I think there's some, I think being a second time parent helps with that a lot. And I also think there are just like life circumstances that I put in place going into this child, the uh, child coming into the world that like, I knew would make life a little bit easier. So like when my first child was born, I was working full time. I had kind of an intense job with a lot of responsibility that was stressful and I was traveling. So I was like going, I was traveling on flights, like going on overnight trips, like pumping around the clock when my baby was like three months old. Yeah. And then, um, so when Lowry was born, I, I was just like, I'm going to put some things in place that are going to like make my life a little bit easier. So, um, we like got a part-time nanny to come help out when she was like six weeks. So instead of putting the burden on myself of like, Oh, cause I kind of felt like, Oh, well I should have to like watch her for the first three months. And I was like, Well, if that makes me miserable and if we can like set aside some money to have some help, like I would like to get help. And so, um, we were able to do that, which is like a very, i feel very like lucky and fortunate that we were able to have some support. Um, and yeah, just like not being in a stressful of a work situation. And like, even though I was in grad school, it was stuff that I wanted to be doing. Um, And so I think all of that helped me feel a little bit more like me, like I was doing things that helped me feel like myself um, versus just sort of getting feeling lost in this like around the clock, like breastfeeding, nursing, you know, nursing, rocking to sleep, like kind of mothering spiral, which some people really enjoy, but like is was really hard for me. And
0: it is all encompassing. And I love that you said that, that it was hard for you and it's okay to not love it, right? It doesn't make us less of a mom or less of a mother or less of a parent by not loving those things. It's okay. Like Mm -hmm. you get to make it work for you because we all get to define our parenting experience the way we want it to look. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you had one final piece of advice for folks listening right now what would it be
1: so i was thinking about that a little bit earlier today and i think like it would be that you know which kind of related to what we've been talking about um i just need to like formulate this into words so i think that a lot of times we feel torn between like wanting to meet our own needs and then like needing to meet the needs of another human being and sometimes it's sort of like you're trying to strike this balance between okay like is life about my child like am I gonna just have a living room that like belongs to Fisher Price and like we're just only ever going to go do like Disney stuff. And like, I'm never going to get to go to an adult restaurant and like my life is just going to be all about my kids. Or am I going to have this life where I'm like traveling and like eating sushi and bringing the kid to like nine o'clock dinners. And like, it's going to be their world revolves around me. Like, is this my world revolve around them or does their world revolve around me? And I think like a way that as a family, We've been trying to do things that has been working for us is to like just to treat every member in the family equally, and like they're a kid, they're another member of the family. Like they they get a choice, they get a, a say, but like it's not it's not all about them, and it's not all about us either. Like we can, you know, kind of all be equal people going into this, and so like, um, trying to kind of create that boundary of like meeting my child's needs is really important, but like meeting my needs is important too. And those are, those are equal. Like my needs are not more important than their needs, but also like their needs are not more important than my needs. And like, let's look for ways that, that both can be met and that we can both, um, both help meet each other's needs and, and create, you know, if we need to sacrifice, like make sacrifices, but it's not all on one side. So I think that, That we're often given a
0: narrative that we have to be a martyr as a parent, like mothers have to be a martyr. And and that's sort of the traditional viewpoint of what motherhood looks like, right? Is that you sacrifice everything. And I think that every mother would sacrifice everything if they had to. But -hmm. what if we don't have to, (laughs) right? I think that's your point, is that it doesn't mean that you have to sacrifice everything. And that actually... Doesn't really teach our children what healthy boundaries look like. Healthy boundaries looks like everybody's boundaries are important, and we all get to have boundaries for our bodies and our needs, and that's really important too.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, what if there are people who can meet my child's needs beyond just me? Because I can't, as one person, I can't meet all of their needs all the time. So, like, you know, there's another parent in our family who needs to help meet their needs too. there are grandparents and extended family members who would love to come spend time with them and help feed their needs there are paid childcare workers i think we can demand more of like our state and our country to meet the needs of children like i think that they ought to and like we can stand up for that too like it doesn't have to all, always be on us all the time yeah
0: i love that well Thank you so much for sharing your story and your experience with everyone listening today. Thanks, Avery. (laughs) It was great to talk to you. Thanks so much for having me. And I also want to thank everyone who's listening and I hope you'll tune back in next week. Do you have a story to tell? If your feeding experience has been transformative for you and you'd like to share it with others, then please let us know. We're always looking for new stories to let other people know what's possible. Just send your name and a short overview of your journey or even just your words of wisdom for new parents to stories at NorrisJung.com. And if you need support or want to connect with other parents who understand what you're going through, then make sure you head over to NorrisJung.com and check out the Norris Young community so we can help support you in your journey too.